Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is it, Mrs. Hudson? I came immediately. I received your message. What's wrong with Sherlock Holmes? Well, I, I think he busted an ankle, sir. He's had a nasty fall right here outside the house. I managed to get him up to his room, but oh dear, you know what he's like. Do come in. Dutch Phipps, he'll listen to you. He won't take a blind bit of notice of me. Come in. Do your best with him. <laughs> Present the stories of Sherlock Holmes. A matter of deduction. Looking for space to hang and dry your washing? Washline distributors have the solution. Their rotating and fold-down washlines take up the smallest spaces. Ideal for townhouses, simplexes and balconies at affordable prices. Galvanized or powder-coated and available in five different colors. For 24-hour delivery, installation, reliable and friendly service, phone Washline Distributors on 011-792-2486. That's 011-792-2486. Washlines for every space and need. Die volgende klassieke advertentie van Springbok Radio se verlede kom met die vergunning van die Springbok Radio bewaringsvereniging van Suid-Afrika. Net meer as een dekade gelede het een paar vers in de Suid-Afrikaners bij mekaar gekom en die enorme uitdagings van die internationale oliehandel aangedorf. Vandaag met een topgehalte brandstof, een volledige reeks olies en reeds meer as 300 volstaties tot in die verste uithoeken van ons land. Betrek! Jou die een bijmiddel wat rechtig saak maak. Trots, want trek is ons eie. Trek in by die kwaga en maak vol met trots. One Sunday morning, I'd received an urgent message from Mrs. Hudson to call at my old rooms at Baker Street. Sherlock Holmes was in some sort of trouble. Naturally, I, I dropped everything and hurried round. I found my old friend lying on the sofa in the sitting room with his right ankle up on a cushion. He refused to take his injuries seriously, but I insisted on a thorough examination. I told Mrs. Hudson not to bother you, but you know what she's like. She'll have to make a fuss. It's only a slight sprain. Nothing yes, broken. Yes, well, just hold still for a moment, Holmes, and let me be the judge. Hmm. Yes, yes, I think you may be right, but the swelling's considerable. 
You'll certainly have to keep it up for a while. Cold compresses will help. It must be very painful. Right, well, I think that's all I can do for you at the moment, Holmes. If you require anything else, you must just let me know. Oh, seems you have another visitor. Now, whoever it is, don't let them get you up and about. The more you rest that ankle, the quicker it will take to mend. Now, you must promise me to be sensible about this, Holmes. I know what a bad patient you can be, so just try and curb your natural impatience, won't you? Excuse me, Mr. Holmes. Inspector Lestrade to see you. Is it all right if I let him up? Of course it is, Mrs. Hudson. I'm not at death's door, you know. Oh, and put the kettle on, will you? I might as well have a nice hot cup of tea. Tea is already on the way. You will stay for a cup, won't you, Doctor? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Hudson. That would be most agreeable. Very good, sir. This way, Inspector. Ah, Holmes. Watson, quite like old times. I heard that you had suffered an injury, Holmes. Uh, nothing serious, I trust? Uh, very minor, I'm glad to say. Watson's just attended to me and agrees that it's nothing to worry about. Ah. Uh, sit down, Lestrade. Now, tell me what brings you here. Surely it can't just be to inquire about my health. Oh, I was passing this way. Thought I'd drop in. Ah, I see that you've been busy reading the papers. What do you think of this body on the train? Well, there's hardly sufficient data in this newspaper report. It merely says that upon the arrival of the 2.30 train at Tilbury yesterday, a porter discovered the body of a dead man in a first-class carriage. The man was identified as Mr. Harold Brightly, and he seems to have met his death through a blow on the side of the head. Although no weapon that could have caused the wound has yet been found. I presume that there could have been many reasons for this. Any theories? Uh, hardly. You know, I never go by conjecture, only by facts. Brightly could have been struck by an assailant who left the carriage at an earlier stop, taking the murder weapon with him. On the other hand, he might have leaned out of the open window and been hit by an object on the side of the line, even a passing train. But you must have a professional interest in this restraint. What have you uncovered so far? Well, I must admit that I have been called in. The Essex police asked for Scotland Yard and I was approached. I'm happy to say that I've solved the whole case. Not bad in so short a time, eh? Brightly was murdered, all right, by his own nephew. Just a moment, just a moment. Please start from the beginning. It's only from there that I can sift out the evidence and form my own opinions. Well, to start with the body... At first it appeared that Brightly had been struck a terrific blow by a blunt instrument. There was a wound of about two inches on the right side of his head. But, on closer examination by the police surgeon, it was found that death was due to a bullet uh, from what would seem to be an ordinary army rifle, which was found embedded in the brain. Mm, shooting in a train. Interesting. Uh, what position was the body in? In the right-hand corner facing the engine. Although I don't consider that of any great importance. All facts are important in a case of murder, but pray continue. Well, of course, the first thing to do was to find out more about the dead man and discover a reason why anyone should wish to murder him. Now, he lived with his daughter in a small place called Ben Fleet on the way to Southend. He worked in the city. And yesterday, being Saturday, he left his office at about one. He lunched at a restaurant near Fenchurch Station and took the 2.30 train. Brightly was in business with his nephew, importers, a young fellow called Roy Simmons. Roy Simmons' mother was Brightly's sister, had been dead for a couple of years, and in the time, Brightly was a very aristocratic man, travelled first class. Simmons is a bit of a wild type, not much cash, always travels third. He almost missed the train, jumped aboard at the last minute. He knew his mates in the army were in the carriage higher up, and so... And this is the interesting part, Holmes. 
He admits to having scrambled along the footboard outside the train to the third-class carriages. The workman on the line reported having seen a man in uniform with a rifle on his back hanging on to the outside of the train. Ah. So you think he was able to shoot his uncle through the open carriage window both and join his friends well, in the Well, the moment the inquest is over, yes. I shall issue an order for Roy Simmons' arrest. Although I say it myself, I think it's extremely quick work. Oh, it's quick or right for straight, there's no doubt about that. But is it correct? That is the point. There you are, sir. Tea. Uh, a timely interruption, Mrs. Hudson. Uh, would you like to pour, Watson? I'm somewhat incapacitated. Oh, and Lestrade, do promise me that you won't make any move on this rather unusual case until I've given the matter far more thought, won't you? Uh, two sugars for me, as usual. Thank you, Watson. Holmes managed to steer the conversation away from Lestrade's latest case, but I could tell that his interest had been fully roused. He motioned me to stay on after we'd taken tea, and when Lestrade had left, he once again picked up the newspaper and studied the account of the murder. Mm, singular case, Watson. Of course, the Strait is flushed with pride, and I suspect that he only called in here to show me that he was in complete command of the situation. Well, he does seem to have a very good case, Holmes. I question that, Watson. Unfortunately, I'm unable to carry out a full investigation. I can only think the matter out from this couch. As you know, I always like to visit the scene of the crime personally and collect my own facts from first-hand observation. This wretched sprained ankle prevents any such course. I can but rely upon second-hand evidence. Uh, you wouldn't be prepared to act for me on this matter, would you, Watson? Well, I, I, I'll do everything I can, Holmes, but as you know, I have not your powers of observation and deduction. I could very easily jump to the wrong conclusion. Not nearly as readily as our good friend the strayed, I do assure you. So you will help? Well, if I can, of course, yes. Good. Then the first thing I would like you to do is this. Uh, Oh, dear. That seems to be my morning for visitors, doesn't it? Uh, Mrs. Hudson will be asking for weekends off in future. Ah, oh, she won't while you're laid up. She's far too loyal. Uh, would you rather I came again uh, later? Home? No, 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 no. I should prefer you to stay if you have the time. Oh, very well. Excuse me, Mr. Holmes. Young lady and gentleman to see you. Mr. Roy Simmons and Mr. Joyce Rightly. Ah, this becomes most interesting. Uh, pray do come in, both of you. Uh, meet my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. Uh, excuse the fact that I cannot stand. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry to have called without an appointment, but this really is a most urgent matter. Uh, may I introduce Miss Brightly? Uh, please be seated. Thank you, Mr. I think I can tell why you're here. You've been interviewed by Scotland Yard, have you not, Mr. Simmons? And you fear an immediate arrest for the murder of your uncle. Oh, that's true, Mr. Holmes. But I didn't do it. I, I swear I didn't do he it. He didn't, Mr. Holmes. I know he didn't. Oh, please, can't you help us? I will certainly try my best. If it's any consolation, I must say straight away that I believe you are entirely innocent, Mr. Simmons. I'm quite sure of that. But how can we prove it? That is the tricky question, isn't it? Only by finding the true murderer. Enjoy the best of both worlds. Only two hours drive from Johannesburg and Pretoria and half an hour by air. The magnificent Sundown Ranch Hotel and Lion Park, just 10 kilometers from the Pilansburg Game Reserve and Sun City Resort. It offers an exciting escape from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Reasonable rates, excellent food, friendly service and comfortable air-conditioned rooms. It will ensure a memorable stay. Activities include tennis, squash, horse riding, the lion park, and much, much more. Call now to make your reservation on 014-573-1000. 
That's 014-573-1000 or visit their website at www.restonations.co.za forward slash sundown rock. The Sundown Ranch Hotel and Lion Park, two worlds in one. I had a chance to study the young couple and quickly formed the opinion that although they were cousins, they were very fond of each other. They made no secret about this. Roy Simmons explained. I think I must explain, Mr. Holmes, that one of the reasons that I didn't get along very well with my uncle was the fact that Joyce and I have been in love for some while. There was a resentment upon his part. We, we tried to explain. He wouldn't listen. He was always a very stubborn man. He was against cousins marrying, and, well, I, I know he thought I just wasn't good enough for Joyce. I, I think that had he lived, he, he'd have come round to accepting us together. But then this, this dreadful tragedy occurred, and... For the way that Scotland Yard works it out, things look very black for us. That's why we decided to come to you. Oh, please. You say you believe in Roy, but that you have to find out the true murderer. But how can you do so, Mr. Holmes? There is simply no one who has a motive to kill my father. How can there be? All this will be revealed in good time, Miss Brightley. I requested Inspector Lestrade of Scotland Yard not to make any positive moves against Mr. Simmons until I've had time to collect many more facts. Uh, tell me when the inquest will be held. Uh, on Tuesday morning. It means we have so little time. I suppose you'll be unable to be present, Mr. Holmes. My good friend Dr. Watson tells me that I must remain here and not put any weight upon my injured ankle. I regret that all inquiries will have to be done for me by Watson. However, I see no reason to despair. I take it that you can hold yourself available for any interviews or journeys that I can arrange on your behalf, Mr. Simmons? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, here's my card. I, I live in a small apartment in Ashworth Road, Paddington. I'll be at home from now on. I shall be back at the family home at Benfleet. Please feel free to call me at any time, Mr. Holmes. It's imperative that this dreadful tragedy is solved immediately. I shall certainly do my best. Just a few questions before you leave, and then the investigation will be taken over by Dr. Watson. Now, a detailed account of your movements from the moment you caught that train in your soldier's uniform, if you please, Mr. Simmons. Roy Simmons gave us a clear account of his actions of the previous day, and I could tell from the frank and yet clumsy way he told his tale that it was the truth. It was a confession of some bravado, but I believed every word of it. Holmes sat back on the sofa, the tips of the fingers of each hand placed gently together, his eyes half-closed as though picturing all he was told. Eventually, he smiled and dismissed the couple, promising them that he would take action immediately. When they'd been shown out by Mrs. Hudson, he made several immediate requests. Firstly, Watson, mm -hmm. my books... Railway timetable and ordnance maps from the shelves by the fireplace, if you don't mind. Yes. This case is becoming remarkably interesting. I think you'll find the red brown books are the ones. A six-inch survey map that covers the countryside from Raynham to Purdom. Uh, let, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, uh, these ones you want? Yes, yes, those are they. Uh, yes, yes, now this is what I'm looking for. Come, uh, study this with me, Watson. You see, here is the railway, and here... Running alongside is the country road. Now, it breaks way round about here as it enters Raynham Marsh. There are rifle ranges there and here. Now, this presumably was where the reserve soldiers were doing their afternoon practice. 
Roy Simmons must have been shooting on this one. Yes, yes, this is most interesting. I'm afraid I must ask you to take a trip down to Rain and Watson. I want as much information as can be obtained from the warden in charge of the ranges. Take Roy Simmons with you. He'll know the terrain. And while you're at it, I think you should go by train from Fenchurch Street, occupy a first-class carriage, sit on the right-hand side facing the engine, and carry out a simple experiment. Will you? Of course I agreed, and some two hours later found myself on the South End train from London. I had the maps open upon my knee, and Roy Simmons explained the countryside in great detail. I was very conscious of my own inadequacies, realizing that Holmes would make far more out of everything than I could, but I tried to follow his instructions as carefully as possible. Now, what I wish you to do, Simmons, is to stand up over there by the opposite window and hold that walking stick as though you would a rifle. Point it at me. Now hold your aim as steadily as you can. Very well. I, I think it won't be easy. I might add that I'm not the best of shots. That's why I was part of the team that had to put in extra practice. However, uh, here goes. Uh, yes. Now, you mean, you mean like this? Uh, that's it, as though the stick's coming through the window. Tricky. How's that? Yes. Yes, I, I think I see what Holmes is after. You're having a hard time pointing that stick accurately. And if you were outside on the running board holding on with one hand, it would be virtually impossible to aim accurately through the window. The motion of the train would throw you off. Well, that's one theory taken care of. Oh, thank goodness for that. I don't mind admitting that I was scared stiff hanging on out there anyway. It was only my mates cheering me on that kept me going. But, uh, Dr. Watson, my uncle was killed in this trailer. I didn't do it, so... So who the devil did? Well, I can't answer that, but a glimmer of light is beginning to dawn. Uh, perhaps after we've visited the rifle rangers, we shall have a better idea. Uh, how much farther to the stop where we get off? And, uh, will there be anyone there on a Sunday afternoon? The journey didn't take more than another 15 minutes, and there was a warden in charge of the Rain and Marsh Range. He explained that there was no activity at that particular time. Oh, nothing going on at the moment. Always quiet on a Sunday. It's uh, weekdays and Saturdays that we're busy. Uh, yesterday, the Army Reserves were in action, I understand. Uh, do you mind showing me exactly where the practice took place? It was over there on number eight range, wasn't it, Warden? I was part of the team. Oh, that's so. Uh, a bunch of right rotten shots you were, too. Yes, that's where you were firing. Uh, you notice that the butts are placed right against the fence. Uh, beyond that's the marsh and the river. Oh. So that if anyone was particularly wild with their firing, there could be no danger from flying bullets. Oh, heaven help us, no. <laughs> That's why the place is designed as it is. Very little danger here. The red flags go up, of course, and no one's allowed to walk across. Never been any accidents, I'm thankful to say. And of course, on the other side, there's a house or two and the railway, but, um, well, the fire doesn't go in that direction. Uh, excuse me, Warden, but wasn't there other activity going on down here during yesterday afternoon? I think I heard some of the men talking about some unusual firing. Oh, aye, that's right, yeah. Over there, number nine range. Uh, special testing going on from Woolwich. Newfangled sort of gun, uh, a sort of repeater device. Uh, testing it out, they were. 
<laughs> can't say whether it was a great success or not. War office were in charge, you see. It's all very secret and hush hush. I see. Well, there doesn't seem to be anything else to keep us here, Simmons. We'd better be getting back to Baker Street and report to Holmes. I'm afraid he won't be at all impressed. I'm not a very good substitute, I'm afraid. Oh, uh, thank you, Wharton. You've been very kind. Uh, come on, Simmons. We shall just be in time to take the return train. Back at Baker Street, I made the report to Holmes in as detailed a manner as possible. Roy Simmons helped me by drawing a rough sketch of the position of the rifle rangers and the railway and confirming all that had taken place. Holmes was naturally impatient and annoyed that he had been able to conduct the investigation in person. He studied the survey maps and our sketches in great detail. Uh, that's no use, Watson. I shall have to go down there myself. Oh, but Holmes, you can't. It's, it's important that you do not use that leg in its present state. I shall take a stout stick and put very little weight upon the ankle. I'm quite convinced that the answer to this case lies on that rifle range. We've proved that no one on that train could have committed the murder. The rifle range has got to be the answer. Please, be good enough to get in touch with Lestrade at Scotland Yard. He must hire a four-wheeler, and we shall drive down there. Now, there's a path that goes across the marshes. I shall conduct the investigation from there. Come. Our time has been wasted as it is. We must get back to Raynham while it's still light. Hurry, Watson. Hurry. And so, yet again, I made the journey down to Raynham. Holmes was silent for most of the journey, and I could tell that Lestrade thought the whole thing a waste of time. Once on the rifle range, Holmes produced some powerful field glasses and studied the countryside. He seemed particularly interested in number nine range, where the new rifle tests had been conducted. Mm, most extraordinary. It's very good of you to give us so much of your time, Warden. Uh, tell me a little more about this test rifle. Uh, was it held by hand by one of the men from Woolwich? Oh, no, sir. A special clamp was used to hold it quite steady. Very powerful gun it is, too. Uh, something went wrong right at the end of the test. It slipped from the clamp, I believe, and the, the last round must have gone off over into the river over there. Ah, something went wrong and the target was missed. That's just the information I was looking for. Watson, Lestrade, study the scene before you. Imagine, if you can, what would happen if bullets from a highly powered gun got sprayed about this range. I can't see that it would make much difference. As the warden says, they would simply have gone by the target and into the marsh or river. Yes, yes, unless one bullet was deflected in some way. It is possible. In fact, more than possible. Watson, lend me that rather burly shoulder of yours to lean upon. I'm about to hop my way across the grass and show you just how Brightly was killed. It was not murder at all. It was a pure accident. Come, let me explain. As we helped Holmes to stagger across the rifle range, he began to explain his theory. It all began to make sense. Even the straight was impressed and forced to listen. I was staggered that the facts could have been placed together so accurately without Holmes having been anywhere near the scene of the death. It was clear from the beginning that Simmons could never have killed his uncle. In the first place, if he was on the train, then he would have had to fire at very close range. A rifle bullet would have simply gone through the man's head and not lodged in the brain. It was obvious that the bullet that killed Brightly was very near the end of its flight, and so must have been fired from a long way off. Now, although the rifle used on this range was pointing in the wrong direction, supposing it hit that metal flagstaff in front of us, it would then have ricocheted off, been deflected, and entered the open window of the passing train. A bullet deflected in this way usually turned over and over in its flight, and that would account for the unusual size of the wound. There. Look up there on the flagstaff. That is a recent scar where the paint has been chipped away. 
I submit to you that that is how Brightly was killed. Check the times of the train against the last round fired by that new rifle from Woolwich, and I think you have the case solved. Don't you, Lestrade? And an innocent man will be able to go free. Saved purely by a method of deduction. Elementary. Not so, my dear Watson. Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson.